What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Panther Nation podcast on the Panther Nation Network. Unfortunately, our regular host, Jack Taylor, has some things he had to take care of with work. So, unfortunately, so I will be your host for this week's episode. And before we get started, I have to start by introducing our very distinguished guest, Jared Feinberg. Man, Jared Feinberg is one of the best really social media accounts you'll find on Panthers Twitter and football Twitter in general. One of the guys that I've seen and respected a lot of over the past year or two. I mean, like, I mean, what more can I really say? He's probably one, he's one of the best young and cycle minds at what he does, man. I appreciate it, guys. Thank you so much for having me. No problem, man. Tyler, how you doing, man? You know, you know, you know it's been a week. It's been a week, yeah, you know, we, we're done with the season now. It's kind of crazy to think, you know, going into it. Uh, we made it this far, but um, I'm sure we'll get into the Super Bowl. But, you know, I'm doing good after that game. I'm already excited for the draft and excited for next season. Well, and, and speaking of the game, how do you guys feel about last night's Super Bowl? Obviously, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers beat the Kansas City Chiefs 31-9 in a game that never, never really felt competitive after, after the first half. So, I mean, how did you guys feel about last night's game? I, it wasn't the game I was hoping for. Let's just say that. I, I think all of us can agree that we were hoping for a, like an all-time great game, like an all-time classic. But instead, we got a beat down on the Kansas State Chiefs, something we have rarely seen uh, throughout the time Patrick Mahomes has been the quarterback in Kansas City. Um, I've, I've seen on Twitter from a lot of Panthers fans that, you know, it kind of felt like Super Bowl 50 all over again, seeing like an elite defense taking down an elite offense with an MVP candidate in Patrick Mahomes. Um, And, you know, like, of course, you got Mike Remmer starting for that team, of course. (laughs) Um, And, you know, I, I, I tweeted out earlier today, you know, like I, Went back earlier this morning and I was like, went back and watched the tape from Super Bowl 50. I was like, Bill Voth was right, you know. Remmers didn't really blow any assignments in that game. Um, or it was just the tight ends blew the assignments, blocking assignments, you know. But back to the game, it, it was just incredible to watch that defense fly around. Like, I had never seen a defense able to smother Kansas City like that, ever. Like, that that was incredible. Um, if they allowed the Super Bowl MVP to go to coaches, they should have given it to top bowls. Absolutely. I think Shaq Barrett could have gotten it instead of Brady. But, you know, Brady is well-deserving of it. He threw three touchdowns. I think he had an 80% completion percentage. Just a baller last night. Two touchdowns to Gronk. I mean, you couldn't have asked for a better Super Bowl for Tampa Bay in their home stadium, in their home state. You know, it it, it couldn't have gotten any better. Tyler, what were your thoughts, man? Yeah, you know, going into the year, I thought, like I've said a couple times in the podcast, I thought it was more of a two-year plan uh, for Tampa Bay to make it. And, you know, they proved me wrong this year and made a run and won the Super Bowl, which I was, you know, surprised to see. And, you know, as Panthers fans, you'd rather them not win the Super Bowl and you got to root against them. But, um, you know, it was cool to see, you know, the Chiefs offense that is consistently putting up 30 points a week. Um limit to nine points that was something and you know they were banged up up front 
And I think we learned and it really emphasized that this game is won and lost in the trenches. And that's where it all starts. And, you know, Kansas City you know, couldn't really do much about it. Uh, Mitchell Schwartz out for the season. And then the Eric Fisher injury is going to hurt a lot, too, among other issues on the O-line. Um, that really hurt him. And that's what that's what lost them the game, uh, among other things. But, um, you know, that defense was flying around. There was speed on offense, speed on defense. Um, that was just good on good when Tampa uh, was on defense and KC was on offense. So um, they didn't like Hill beat them this time, which, you know, if they did, he should have been – they should have been – fired you know like you just you just don't let a guy beat you like that twice you just don't so they, so they instead of you know, they had to take hill away um but you know and they took advantage of the weak tackle plan consistently got pressure just by rushing four so um it's not going to be a blueprint that works in the future um people are talking about they're going back and watching the tape of that game and sure there's going to be things in that tape that's going to expose the chiefs down the road but a lot of that stuff is, you know, they're going to have their tackles back next year, we think. And um, a lot of it's going to be back in place. And, you know, Mahomes played a decent game overall. Um, just, he just didn't have much to work with uh, with that offensive line. And, you know, that Tampa Bay defense, a lot of speed. I mean, we, we all know about those linebackers, Devin White and Levante David. Um, that was a key in the game also. So, you know, I could I, like Jared said, I wanted a classic. I wanted a game down to the wire. But, um, you know, we saw something that we've never seen before in this Chiefs offense really limited oh yeah and like and, and to your point Tyler I don't think there's anything in that game last night that, that, that most he could take and say okay let's do that because I mean the goal every night against Kansas City should be the same get to Patrick Mahomes get to the quarterback apply pressure don't allow him to, to stand in one spot and throw the ball and Tampa Bay was able to do that because they were missing those those, those tackles and they also have elite pass rushers I mean so I I don't. I think the formula is simple. I think I don't think the formula is ever really too complicated when it comes down to stopping great offense. I mean, you, you, we all know first things first. You gotta get to the quarterback. So last night, I mean, it was it was a game where Tampa Bay just did exactly what they were supposed to do. Tom Brady obviously went into that game, didn't make many mistakes at all at all last night, which is which is usually how he plays through in, in, in big games. He, he'll he'll limit, he'll limit his mistakes. He's not gonna he's not gonna miss big opportunities. He took advantage last night, and that's, I, think, that's, I think that's pretty much what we got. I mean, I was more so disappointed in the fact that you know i was ready to see the new the new guy come and take over the the, the, the quote-unquote goat mantle and just kind of supply himself into the into that into that position tom brady ain't ready to let it go yet but with that being the case let's talk a little bit about how we want to build how we, how we want like to build a team as far as moving, moving forward because you know we saw last night having the mvp level quarterback and no help around him it, it, even though it's only been for one game, it, hurt, it hurts you and it, and it keeps you winning championships. And obviously, Panther fans, we know Super Bowl 50, how not having a, let's see, a, a, a up the par staff around your quarterback it, it can limit you out moving forward. So, so you guys, how would you like to move build this team currently with our situation with holding, with holding number eight pick, being in the free agent market for quarterbacks? What do you got? What, what's your wish list for things for the Panthers to do this offseason? For me, I I honestly haven't really thought about Foley because I haven't really looked at any of most of the free agents for uh, this offseason. But I, I think it's important that you have to bring back Taylor Moton. That's the first thing you need to do is bring back Taylor Moton. He's, he's the best offensive tackle this team has had, probably the best offensive lineman this team has had since Jordan Gross, you know? So you you keep him, and you got yourself a tack. You got yourself your right tackle. 
solidified for the next however many years on the contract it will be. Hopefully it's a new contract with Carolina and not someone else. Um, that's that's priority number one. Prior, priority number two is building, continue to build that offensive line, whether it's through free agency or the NFL draft. You know, probably in day two of the NFL draft is where I think Caroline will target offensive linemen. And I wouldn't be surprised if they get some developmental offensive linemen in day three as well. Um, some guys like Sedarius Hutcherson, um, Jack Anderson from Texas Tech, um, Hutcherson is from South Carolina. Um, didn't mean, forgot to mention that. A um, couple other names on just off the top of my head from free agency. Um, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Carolina on their front went and just re-signed uh, John Miller and just have him back in for another year to fill in and they draft another developmental offensive lineman, let him develop behind Mill Miller and then start him in 2022. I think building the offensive line is going to be priority this offseason. The biggest priority, and we've already seen it throughout the last few weeks, is the quarterback position. They're going to be in the quarterback market via trade or via free agency and even in the NFL draft. When it comes to Deshaun Watson, you know, do they really have the assets to make a trade? We, we don't know. I, in my opinion, not really. But they will offer whatever they feel like Houston could potentially bite on. I could see him going after Sam Darnold. I could see him going after, I, I know it's a hot take, Carson Wentz. And it doesn't sound like they're really in the market for him right now because you know we could see a trade happen in the coming days that shifter before the other the other day right but you know it'll be interesting to see if they even offer like any compensation or any players for when you know it'll be interesting interesting to see what happens there um you could also see a free agent quarterback signing like Mitchell Trubisky to compete with uh, Teddy Bridgewater and they spend the season competing against each other at PJ Walker to the mix as well, you know, and then wait until 2022 develop the roster throughout the draft as well. Go best player available, whether it's offensive lineman, cornerback and whatnot. And then you also have to, and speaking of cornerback, that's one of your top needs as well. So, and there are rumors that, you know, they're interested in Patrick Peterson, who the Cardinals have already announced that they're mutually parting ways from him. So, you know, Peterson on a team-friendly deal, he could be a Carolina Panther, easily the best corner on the team. Big upgrade, and I know he's up there in age a little bit, but he is still a baller. Oh, yeah. Okay. He hasn't had a lot of production. That's because teams are not throwing his way. Because when they do throw his way, bad things happen. And we saw that against we saw that against Arizona earlier in the season. So, you know, we bring in Patrick Peterson. That'd be great for the team. Get a veteran presence in the secondary, in a young secondary. I would love to move as well. You add him with Trey Boston. That'd be lovely. So that's kind of where I am with the offseason plan. Um, but, you know, it, it's February 8th. We got a long ways to go. We still 
anything can happen, you know? Right. Right. So Tyler, what are your thoughts on what would you want to see? The, 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 how, how do you want to see the Panthers attack this offseason? Yeah, number one is continue to build the culture and stick to our roots. That's what Matt Rule came in and he wanted to do since day one. And he's made strides doing so, um, even with ownership and all just all through the organization from the top to bottom. Uh, the culture change has been huge and um, you can see it on the field. So just sticking to his guns and trusting himself on that because that will pay dividends in the long run. It might not always lead to the, the coolest picks or the coolest signings in the world, but you know, culture is going to be culture over everything. And that's going to really set us apart in the long run. So to do that, you know, we you know, we have to continue to bring guys in that are going to fit with the culture. And if not, they're going to, you know, stand out like a sore thumb. And, uh, it's not, you know, it, it's, it can't be easy for Teddy right now. I mean, we, we're just fans out here in the media and we see all these trade offers that he was sent. Um, and he probably knows more about that than us since he's, you know, he's in the building. There's probably way more than uh, we know, but him being offered for every quarterback that's on the market, just, he just can't feel good about that as right now he's our starting quarterback for next year. So that needs to be addressed and taken care of whether, whether that is, that is him eventually being traded or him just, you know, accepting a lower role on the team, which, you know, knowing Teddy is that's, he's not complacent like that. He won't, he won't want to do that. And so um, just, yeah, just continue to build the culture as one. And then just like I talked about, the second thing is you got to figure out the quarterback. You got to figure it out. I mean, you don't go to the Super Bowl without, you know, a quarterback that's, you know, that's above average and the you know if you don't have an elite one you, you might you you have a very small chance to win it and we've seen that in the past so um you know they've offered for matt stafford um obviously that didn't work so we know that they're interested in moving on from teddy so um with deshaun watson being on the market um you know elite quarterback big time name um you gotta throw an offer out does it mean you mortgage the future and mortgage you know some of these guys you brought in i'm not sure it does but you have to at least throw an offer out and test the waters if not um when it comes to the draft we know that you know the jaguars have the first pick and the jets have the second um after those first two picks we should be um thinking about trading up um you know I have my opinions on the quarterback, but if they, depending on what they think about a guy, if if they have, if there's a guy that falls past the first two picks, you know, Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, um, they should go up and get him. They should do all they can to go up and get him and try to trade up to get that player as much as they would try to get Deshaun Watson. Obviously, it won't be the same amount of capital, but they should, you know, feel the same about trying to get up for it because. Uh, we, we see you don't you don't always get a chance to be picking in the top ten, top eight. Uh, you know, if they trade up into the top five, um, you know, we're we're a growing franchise and we're only going to go up from here. So you don't know when you're going to be this close to getting a quarterback ever again. And if there's a guy they like, they got to pull the trigger. Um, even if you know he might need a year or two, they got to pull the trigger. So finding the quarterback of the future is going to be huge. And um, if the if not, if there's not a guy they like, then they shouldn't force it. They shouldn't force it and pigeonhole themselves into taking a quarterback. Um, like if, like for example, taking Mac Jones at eight overall. I've seen that. That would be, that would be a problem. Uh, so hopefully we don't have to worry about that. Um, but, um, but you know, other than the quarterback, uh, you know, like I, like I said in the Super Bowl last night continue to build through the trenches on the offensive line bringing back taylor moton um it's gonna be you know that's priority number one for free agency even before curtis samuel uh we gotta bring him back you have to um and then from there 
drafting offensive line talent, offensive line depth, even in the later rounds. It, I mean, if they don't start, that's fine. We just need depth there because it's hard to keep a unit of five together for the whole season. And, you know, building that continuity across the offense line is going to be huge in the long run. Um, so that and then even on the defensive line, I, I, don't, I don't think people talk about it enough. Defensive line is in pretty good shape right now, especially after you know bringing in Derek Brown and uh, Yator. He's uh, on the come up, and then obviously Brian Burns. But more defensive line depth. Um, you know, you don't know what's going on with Quan Short right now, so just sure. continuing to build through the trenches. That among other needs, um, the thing with the Panthers is we're going to notice uh, through this offseason we're not going to be able to fill every need. Offensive line, quarterback, um, maybe a receiver. Um, you know, defensive line depth, linebacker. Like you name it all. Like we're we're not going to be able to address everything corner um so so you're gonna to have to find band-aids um in different spots but that's gonna be okay and like no team's gonna have a, you know every position addressed you got to make yeah. by with guys at different spots so they got to be okay with that and just you know really after the first round we should be we should be drafting best player available i will say one thing uh, or a couple things Fans need to understand that one, like you said, Tyler, you're not going to hit on every need in the draft. It like that's rare for that to happen, you know, and also very rare for all your players to be active participants during the season. Like, I feel like the Colts are like one of the only examples of them hitting on talent in throughout the later portions of the draft and able to have contributors from those portions of the draft playing a good amount of snaps throughout the season and also another thing and kind of a little bit of a bold prediction and something i'll bring up with my co-host Devin jackson on the draft or on the draft nut podcast tomorrow morning while we record i have a feeling that there will be a lot of more talk of trey lance going number two overall because they have sam darnold and they can you know They'll have Sam Darnold for at least one more year. Let Trey Lance sit for that one year. Move on from Darnold. Start Trey Lance in 2022. That's kind of the feeling I have there. At that point, you have Justin Fields and, and Zach Wilson available. Panthers see that and they're like, ooh, we're going to have a tough choice. Yeah. Trade up. Get one of those two. There are going to be teams like the 49ers. They're going to be wanting to trade up into the top five. You're going to, you have Atlanta at four that could need a quarterback. But honestly, I don't see them taking a quarterback this year, in my opinion. I, I just don't feel feel like it's going to happen this year, maybe next year. Um, I, I, I just don't see it happening at four for Atlanta. I see defense happening there. I could see Philly potentially trading up unless they're comfortable with Jalen Hurts for next season. You know, there's so many possibilities. Um, and like you said, Tyler, about offensive lineman depth, you know, and I was just talking about it earlier. You know, it's hard to have good offensive lineman depth in the NFL in general. You know, teams have, and we saw that with the Kansas City Chiefs last night in Super Bowl 50, in Super Bowl 55. You know, their offensive line depth really failed them and they need more depth in that area. And I think one of the rookies, who was a draft Twitter favorite um, offensive lineman at TCU. I can't remember his name, but who gets name? Yes, yes, that's who it was. Loved him, loved him as a player. Um, you know, I losing him was 
dreadful for them because they didn't have good depth. Losing Mitchell, Mitchell Schwartz, Eric Fisher, and then you got makeshift guys at, on the offensive line. So it's going to be, it's very important for not only the Panthers, but for teams in general to build that offensive line to protect the quarterback. And when it comes to building teams, you got to start from the trenches. Got to start from the trenches. Then move up to the quarterback position. Then work the rest of the ro- the rest of the roster the way you want it. So that's just my opinion there. Um, Tisk, you can go ahead with what you're thinking about um, what Tyler and I were just talking about. Well, I, well, I, I, can't, I can't really lie. I, look, I'll, if we can't sign anybody, um, anybody through and say, you know, be a trade or a free agency, I do want to go quarterback at number eight. I don't. I, I, I fell in love with Trey Lance as time has gone and time has passed. I, I know initially, when when Trey Lance was being thrown out there as being the number two, possibly in front of Justin Fields, I was against it. But now, as time as time as time has moved on, I would be more into drafting Trey Lance more than any other quarterback because I feel like you know Fields would be gone before before number eight, and Wilson seems like his his stock has risen immensely since since the beginning of the season. So I know he'll be gone before number eight as well. I feel, you know, as far as like building, you're building the offensive line, you know, the same, the, the same, the same money we were going to use and the same capital we were going to use to be able to trade for a quarterback, I would do the same. I would just take that and just and just reassess it towards the offensive line. Like like you guys said, you can't fill every need through through the draft. I know a lot of people have said that you know, draft picks aren't guaranteed. I said, well, that's true. Well, go out and find you some guys in free agents. You know, be a be a little be more players, be more players in. You know, more active in free agency than, than you've been in recent years, and I think Scott Fritter, the, our, our, our new GM hire, I think he's a guy that's gonna be that's gonna be more active. I think I, you know we've seen it within the trade market. He's been he wants to be involved in every deal. He's been true to his word. We've been involved in every deal, whether we like it or not. We've been involved. So I so I feel so I feel that we're, we're bringing in Scott Fritter, we'll have a different mindset on how we attack free agency. So I so I so I do so I do feel that we can you know we can do different things. You know, as far as like with our with our draft capital as far as moving up. Now, what I will say is, and the question I want to ask next is, how do you guys feel about Scott Fritter being in on every deal? I know we talked about it and it sounded good during his press conference about being involved in every deal. But are you, do you really want to be in following every quarter, with every quarterback, not look to see, see nearly as, you know, desperate for a quarterback as we look right now as a franchise? I think I think this is just better being aggressive and being proactive and wanting to get this roster better and making it more competitive. You know, like no one's I think he said in the press conference, I remember Matt Rule saying it in his first press conference last year. Like no one's position is a guarantee. No one's starting job is a guarantee. So they want to bring in competition. That means going after Mitchell Trubisky, which fans are like, ooh, we don't want that. No, no. But it's competition. It's competition. And if Trubisky does beat out Teddy Bridgewater, fans are going to be going nuts in either a good or a bad way. There's no in-between. I'll be like just sitting back, watching the chaos on Twitter, just enjoying it, you know. Um <laughs> but you know, with Trubisky, like he has his moments, but also he has his good moments. He's inconsistent, but when he's consistent, he, he's all right. He's not bad. He's not bad at all. 
Trubisky would not offer a nice challenge to Bridgewater. He, there's no guarantee he would start, but just having him as a backup is nice to have. You know, Trubisky is a solid backup. He's so, someone that can come in for a few games in case of an injury or even a suspension, God willing, or God forbidding, that, you know, Trubisky can do the job right and do it for a few games, then let's start to come back in and fall out. Now, will it happen? Will Trubisky signing happen? I doubt it. I think it's more likely a trade happens than a signing of a free agent quarterback. It, it just feels like with what Fitter is doing, he's being very active, proactive, and wanting to get a quarterback from the trade market. If it comes down to Houston, Carolina, or not Houston, if it comes down to Miami, Carolina, New York, or Deshaun Watson, I would say if I'm Carolina, I would give, I'm not good with trades, I'm not good with trade conversation, so <laughs> I'll be destroyed for this, but you know, I'm thinking this year's first, next year's first, yep. a day two pick both this year and next year, whether that's the second or third, and Teddy Bridgewater. That's what I'm thinking. I'm I know Houston doesn't have Bill Bill O'Brien. They're not going to get like freaking screwed with a trade like DeAndre Hopkins, but you know, it just feels like Houston might do something like that where they fall on an offer that Many people would say, oh, you take the offer in a heartbeat. Houston would probably think about it and be like, okay, we could probably take that. You get Watson, you don't have to worry about your first-round picks this year or next year. You've got your franchise quarterback. You've got your superstar quarterback. Someone you have been missing since Cam Newton left. You get Watson, you're in playoff contention every year no matter the shape of the roster. Let's remember that Carolina lost at least eight games by seven, eight points or less. You add a quarterback that can at least drive a team downfield, lead a team downfield on game-winning drives, like the ones we faced so many times this past season. Right. That's another five wins, another six or seven wins, you know? That that is huge, you know. You so like getting a quarterback in the draft, even like a Zach Wilson or Justin Fields. That's an upgrade over Teddy Bridgewater, in my opinion, because they add an element that Bridgewater really doesn't have. He doesn't have elite arm talent. He's he gets flustered when under pressure. He fits more in a play action scheme more than anything. He like when he was playing for the Saints. Like, that looked like a perfect fit. You you need good talent around him. Just really didn't have that right. when he was with Carolina this year. And he's going to be with Carolina next year. And with Teddy Bridgewater, I feel like it's more and more likely he's going to be the starter one way or the other. If a trade doesn't happen, they're going to draft a quarterback somehow, some way, either by trading up to three with Miami or to five with Cincinnati or even to number two with New York. Or even sit at eight and get Trey Lance. Or they end up trading for a quarterback, of course, in the trade market. But 
one of those rookie quarterbacks, they're not going to start immediately. It's going to be Tay Bridgewater for at least a few games. Then they're going to go full Tua, and they're going to be like, okay, we're in this position right now. We feel good. Let's start the rookie quarterback now, and let's go win some football games to try and make the playoffs. I feel a lot comfortable that they draft a rookie quarterback. He starts at some point during the season. The Carolina Panthers are probably close to 500. They can make a run for the playoffs, in my opinion. That's where I'm at right now. So, Tyler, how you, yeah. feel, how, 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 how you feel about our positioning right now with Scott Fritter and being active in, you know, mm-hmm. in, the, in, in the quarterback market? Yeah, right. So, down the line, I don't think he'll – He's uh, in five years. He's not going to be in every trade conversation that we see, like we like we are today. Um, but right now, we're in the quarterback market heavily, and he is definitely not a not in, uh, all in on Teddy, as we can see, along with other people in the building. That's for sure. But um, you know, with um, with that, um, I don't mind it right now. The goal is like you don't want to end up being like the boy who cries wolf where it's like every team is getting a call and they're like just blowing it off when they hear Carolina. You don't want to end up being like that. But, you know, yeah. if, if you got to need a quarterback and you got to address it, you got to weigh all your options. You know, definitely um, some of the options, some of the offers I've seen out there. I'm kind of glad that we got passed up on because um, where we're at now with with Teddy Um He's not obviously, you know, he's not a guy that's going to elevate our team um, and, you know, put put us on his back to take us to the playoffs or Super Bowl. Um, but a lot of these guys that we're training for are barely in that conversation either. They're right around the same range. And I think going after a mid-level range guy right now, like a Trubisky, um, he's not a, he's a little bit hot higher up but like a Matt Stafford um for us right now we're we're a young team and we're not really not ready to win right now so getting a guy like that um and you know we I don't know if those guys are going to be the quarterbacks of the future you know so uh I think we want to you know the way Matt Rule's doing this I think we're going to end up just resetting it he's going to want to bring in his own guy make homegrown talent here in the building um instead of going out and taking a, a gamble um for a year and seeing it um like what if what would happen if we traded you know, second round pick right now um, for Sam Darnold, and we're a team that's building, and every pitch pick is salvageable, and we need every pick just as much um, as the other. So, trading a second pick on Sam, a second round pick on Sam Darnold this year, just to roll the dice and see, you know, how it works. And you know, he may he may be great, um, but he may be the same thing as Teddy. So at that point, it's like, do you really want to take that risk? Um, especially the point where we're at and having the eighth pick and having a, a young roster that's, you know, last year, last year's draft, I would consider success um, at this point. Um, so you don't, you want to build off that and continue to, you know, grow off that. But, you know, I think we should be exploring options right now. Um, I, you know, like a, you know, a, mid to late round pick for Trubisky wouldn't be the worst thing in the world just to, you know, weigh you know, bring in competition like Jared said. And, um, you know, because he's not going to be, you know, the starter of the future uh, he, unless he shows himself. But, like, go, go, going in on, all in on somebody, unless it's Deshaun Watson, um, I really don't think it's a great idea right now. Nah, Here's, where I'm at. Here's where I'm at with uh, Sam Darnold. We all know that any player that has played for Adam Gase and moves on from him ends up playing well. So think about that. Sam Darnold, we all know he he has the talent. You know, he's shown flashes over the last few years. 
and he's gotten heat for his bad play. But it's not been his fault in many ways. It's been the coaching fault. It's been the coaching's fault. It's been the front office up until they got Joe Douglas. It's been bad offensive line play. It's been bad receivers. He just hasn't had the talent around him. But when you, from the tape I remember seeing from USC, that that looked like a starting quarterback, a starting franchise quarterback. From when I, that was my first year of scouting. So I, I think I had a top, he was ranked in my top 10 on my first ever big board. And he, I think he was tied or just barely ranked below Mayfield and Rosen for me. Bad miss on Rosen. But when talking about Darnold, he's got the talent to be really good. He just needs another opportunity. I wouldn't fault Carolina for trading for Sam Darnold, giving up a second rounder. And if Darnold ends up doing good, great. If he doesn't, trade up for a quarterback in 2022. You know, like if you feel like your team is set or it feels like if you feel like you're Matt Rule and Scott Fitter in 2022, you have Sam Darnold. He doesn't turn out well. If you feel like your team is almost ready to make the playoffs and they just need that quarterback, trade up for one. Trade up for Sam Howell. Trade up for Spencer Rattler. Trade up for Keenan Slovis. Trade up for a Jane Daniels. Trade up for a JT Daniels. You know, there are quarterbacks in next year's draft they can target. But I think with what we have seen, they want to address the quarterback situation right now. They want to have to, they want to make a mistake by trading for Sam Darnold. Now they will be in the market for Sam Darnold, of course, like they have with the rest of the quarterbacks we've seen or what we have heard. But it's not out of the picture, you know, they get Darnold, he doesn't turn out well, and they trade up for a quarterback in 2022. I've always had that thought in the back of my mind. And honestly, like at first, I was hesitant, like midway through the season, I was hesitant, you know, should the Panthers really trade up for a quarterback or should they just trade down, get extra picks, and then they can trade up in 2022 for one of Sam Howell, Spencer Rattler, or whatnot. But there's no guarantees in the NFL. There's no guarantees with traffic. So I totally get it trading up for a quarterback now. I think that would be the best option is to go after your future franchise quarterback or even get, you know, Deshaun Watson if you can. Yeah. I and and look, I, I, I won't lie. I agree. I mean, I, honestly, my feeling about Sam Darnold is that he's the only other quarterback in the that, that's in possibly in the trade market that I think is worth giving up a second round a second round pick for. Mm-hmm. Like I don't really feel like I don't feel the I don't feel I don't feel Mr. Missy's worth anything more than like a play like a third rounder. And, I, and I don't think I don't think they, Chicago would just take that and just you know get them out of there. I think they, they, they're gonna try to build the best offer, of course. I don't think Carson Wentz like like, like, you, like you guys said. I don't think some of the guys that are out there available are guys that are gonna take you and put you over the top. Because I mean, Carson Wentz, he hasn't seen the the guy that we saw in 2017 since 2017. So he, he hasn't been that same guy in a long time. Matt Stafford. Yeah, yeah, we know he's been stuck in a bad situation in Detroit. But again, in 12 years, you haven't accomplished, you know, just some simple things like winning a division title at least once. Like Kirk Cousins has come and had success in that division in a, in a, in a handful of years compared to 12 years for, for Stafford. 
and not really accomplishing much. I think Sam Darnold, like you said, Jerry, I, th- I think that there's the guy that I saw at Southern Cal is a guy that can play this level, a guy that can play this level and have have a lot of success. And he's still young. I think you forget how young Sam Darnold is. I think he's a guy that if if you hit on Sam Darnold, you have your guy for the future. Mm-hmm. Like, exactly. Sam Darnold is not yep. like set. It's it's a it's a hot. It's a it's a lot of high reward with, with, with Sam Darnold. Like I said, Adam Gates quarterback, Ryan Tannehill, left left from under, under Adam Gates and is having success having success as a starter in Tennessee. I think that Darnold's a more capable quarterback than 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 Ryan Tannehill. I think he's a guy that at his best, yeah, he could throw for, yeah he could throw for four thousand he could throw for over four thousand yards and met and twenty five plus touchdowns. I think he's a guy that can that can do that for offense and for offense that as that's as explosive as ours is with you know. Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, and say we were able to keep uh, Curtis Samuel. You can't tell me that a, a, a young guy like Donald couldn't take advantage of those weapons and take that offense to the next level, the, le- the level that we were hoping that Teddy could take us to in a lot of those key games. But as we move forward, I want to let you guys talk about you know your, your draft process and really like what like, what are you looking at as far as draft picks for Carolina this year and, and other teams and how do you guys go about. How do you guys go about scouting? I know this is like this is what y'all this is what you guys. I know Tyler, he is our draft expert. If anything, we have any questions, I'm leaning on Tyler. Jared, I've seen your work on Twitter. I know you're one of the guys that mostly everybody on Twitter goes to for their draft for their draft, you know, draft analysis. So, what do you, how do you guys attack the draft each and every season? I think for me, it's like you got you got to be fluid with your draft process. You know, like. A lot of a lot of guys, a lot of draft analysts, like you know what the saying is, Tyler. Draft season is all the time, three sixty five, twenty four seven. That's that's the deal here with draft Twitter, with draft analysts alike. Um, when they come, a lot of guys, as soon as the draft is over, they get going with the next one, like immediately. They get going with the next draft class. Some guys wait a few weeks, wait until later in the summer to get into those guys. But for some guys, they just, they can't help themselves and they want to get in. Um, for summer scouting, a lot of guys are going to look at the positives a lot more than the negatives. They're going to note the negatives, but they're not going to note too hard. They're not going to nitpick as hard because it's summer scouting. They're getting to know the guys for the upcoming draft class. When it comes to the offseason, when the draft process begins, you know, opinions are fluid. Evaluations are being done. You know, I always keep my opinions fluid when it comes to the NFL draft. I don't want to be stuck on one opinion and be on that opinion the rest of the way. No, I'm going to be fluid with the process and I am going to evaluate as tape comes available and once I get deeper into those into a specific prospect's tape. Now, for when us draft analysts, when we're watching games, usually for an average draft prospect, we watch about, you know, three games of tape just to get a good idea of a player. For quarterbacks, it's a lot more. I usually watch five to seven games unless I really want to get a good understanding, I'll watch 10 games. And if I have their whole season available on tape, I'll watch the whole season, you know, just to get a good idea of what they are as a quarterback. Now, when it came to Trevor Lawrence, 
like forget it i only watched one game <laughs> and then watch the next two as like just for show you know because trevor because like all it takes sometimes is for one game to know this player is really really good and has a special future in the nfl kind of same way with trevor lawrence kind of same way with chase young and joe burrow last year you know it, it, it's like you just know like as soon as you pop on the tape they flash across the screen consistently every play that's how it is um and then you know you go back in a few years and look back at the current draft process process this year last year the year before 2018 you look back and you look at the mistakes you make and you improve on that and some guys have changed their grading scales completely like i know the last few years i have been really adjusting my grading scale to be more strict when it comes to prospect evaluations um this year this is the first time i've really kept my grading scale the same after changing it over the last couple of years learning how you know different draft analysts view the nfl draft for great prospects and what traits they look at to see for each prospect so up let me pull up some my grading skills real quick i have my laptop on me right here for quarterbacks you know i'm looking i have 10 traits you know um to evaluate a quarterback accuracy arm strength decision making anticipation progressions poise pocket manipulation uh feet or footwork mechanics and mobility you know those are the key traits you look for in a quarterback in my opinion and another example could be for pass rushers you know you're looking to see how good their first step is off the blind scrimmage their hand technique what type of rush moves or counters do they have do they have a plan b of attack or a secondary counter how flexible are they can they do they have really good bend are they good against the run are they are they great tacklers in open space do they have good lateral movement if they need to drop into coverage do they or if they're going to crash down on or slant down do they have good football IQ you know how are they in terms of competitiveness how are they in terms of athleticism you know those are some of the traits that you look for in a pass rusher um, I can go on and on with my positions, but that'd probably take the rest of the night. But, you know, here's the thing. As I said before, you need to be, for any young draft analyst out there, you need to be fluid with your opinions. Don't just stick on one opinion and stay with it for the rest of the way. Be fluid with it. Always go, you can always go back and watch their tape, even after you've done your final evaluation just to see okay did i miss something in his tape or is, is it what i'm already confirming if you're like debating with someone you want to go back and watch someone's tape you can do that that's perfectly that's perfectly okay that's just part of the draft process it's okay to look go back and look at different prospects and their tape if there's any new tape that comes available watch that and if you want to improve your prospects draft grade do that so that's what i gotta say when it comes to my track process our very on Tyler Hibbersi, go ahead and let us know how you how, how do you break down draft the, the draft process? Yeah, so it's uh, you know a very 
you know, it's a four year process. And I think for anybody that's going into the, you know, scouting draft process, there needs to be a strong why behind a strong reason behind it or else, because it's a lot of work and you have to have, like, for me, it's, you know, I want to work in a front office or coach someday. So it, other people might have different reasons, but it needs to be stronger. It's going to be tough to stick with it. Uh, Cause it's, it's a grind at the end of the day. Um, but really this, this, scouting process starts um, after the draft. So let's, let's say May. That's when you're getting eyes um, on guys early. Um, like Jared said, not being too hard on anybody, but kind of seeing what you got because at the end of the day, um, if you're trying to be, a, you know, if, if, if you're in like a position you want to scout someday, you will want to kind of replicate that process as much as possible. So what they're going to do is they're going to identify guys. Um, they're also going to go to pro days and stuff in the summer, which we can't do. Um, I'll get into that. But so you want to watch guys live in the fall eventually. So you got to know who you want to watch. So kind of getting a short list of guys down who goes to which school, what and they're measurable, what they're like. Um, you know, you'll see the uh, Feldman's freak list come out in the summer. It's just all these little bits and pieces um, along the way. Um, but um, right around that time, I think for, you know, up and coming scouts, um, as opposed to like current scouts um, for NFL teams and stuff, they're not going to be looking as much at as much NFL film. Um, they will, but I think you know, looking at NFL film and seeing how the game changes because it changes every week, every year, is uh, a lot goes into it. You got to know what works and what doesn't. You know, uh, 15 years ago, um, we would have probably seen uh, Derrick Henry go in the top five um, in the draft, if, but he ended up being a second round pick just because that's how the game was played back then. Um, so you got to know what changes and like mobility and quarterbacks is huge now uh, five years five ten years ago not as big um, the game is always changing because it's a speed league and that's a passing league and uh, you got to recognize that so uh, watching the nfl and seeing what works is uh, probably the biggest tip i've ever received for scouting and uh, it's what helped me the most so usually after the draft that's what i go into and uh, seeing how the players are developing too and um, also looking back on your uh, your evaluations um, when you do that you need to um you understand that as you know analysts in the media per se uh we don't have all the information that's out there we don't have access to medicals we've never talked to these guys uh we don't know their background really to the full extent um and we don't know how they are at practice with the team and meetings uh there's a lot of th that's not there so you got to um you know communicate your communicate your thoughts effectively in your reports so when you're looking back you know why you missed or why you hit on a player um did you miss because um you know a lot of guys in the first round aren't bust because they're not good that's just a matter of fact it's because they went to a bad situation um they fell off you know off the field had issues there um you know Dwayne Haskins isn't struggling right now because he's a bad player uh, it's because, you know, off field and, um, you know, tough scheme. And he, he was maybe uh, he was maybe, maybe given an easier time in college with that scheme, too. But, um, you know, a lot of the, if they go in the first round, these guys are NFL evaluators also. They know who's good. They know who's not. So you got to communicate to yourself and to others effectively what you think of these guys um, just so you can gauge going forward and learn. And that's the biggest thing is, like, learn. Uh, you got to talk to people because, you know, nobody knows everything and you don't know. Um, you know everything either so you got to continue to learn and be like jared said fluid um looking at the opinions with um in the draft um yeah like learning from your mistakes and taking that um and seeing what works and what doesn't not overreacting too much um to your experiences uh, with that so um if, if you do good on a guy don't take that and run with it for the next guy so uh, just learning from that 
and going forward, knowing it's a fluid process and, um, you know, realizing why I got dismissed, you know, because off field plays a big role in it for sure. And you can't let that tie you down. And, you know, you can't just watch the, uh, the first round guys either. Um, I mean, you can just think, you know, if you're a casual guy and getting a, getting a uh, gauge for your team in the draft, that's good. But if you want to evaluate at all levels and knowing what's the difference between a good player and a, you know, elite player and, a, you know, a UDFA player, that's going to be important in your evaluation and also understanding, you know, what can change for them. So a lot of college coaches, you know, they're not, they're not going to be as good as the NFL coaches and they're going to have to take up, you know, step forward schematically um, when they go to the league. So they're going to learn new techniques. They're going to get better mentally uh, where they're not going to really change is athletically. Um, that's why the combine is so big is we got to see how these guys move because that's not going to change really much. Uh, so evaluating athleticism is, you know, it's not hard to do, but uh, you got to make sure you can do it well early on because that's going to be a key going forward. And um, that's just evaluate and just taking everything with a grain of salt too that you hear because there's going to be a lot of guys out there that, you know, put stuff out there and share their opinions as they should. But uh, you got to trust your eyes and trust your process at the end of the day because, you know, the, the draft is a it's a crapshoot. It's a crapshoot. And um, it, a lot of it depends on external factors that we can't control. And uh, you just got to trust your eye at the end of the day. And because from our, our position, we're, uh, you know, we're not in shape to know everything about these guys. Exactly. And when for me, when it comes to like, Okay, should I really take off points on a prospect because they have medical injury, they have medical concerns? I don't really have, I don't really take off points for a prospect. I don't really take off points of a grade for a prospect because of medical concerns, because I don't know their medical history. Like, they're legit from the doctor. I don't know their medical history, like from NFL teams. I just don't know. I don't really know. I don't have the information. I can't, I don't have access to that information. And, you know, you, for different analysts, they do it at their own discretion. They feel like they should take off points in ter- because of medical, medical concerns. Absolutely do that. That That's your, that's part of your evaluation. Do it. That's fine. That's completely fine. You take off points, a lot of points because of off-field issues, suspensions, um, getting arrested or something like that. You know, you can do that. That's completely fine. Um, everyone's process is different. My process is, is different. Tyler's is different. A lot of my colleagues' process is different. You know, we have our different grading scales. We have our different, you know, ways of evaluating players, different traits we look at and prospects, you know. Or, you know, sometimes people only grade five traits at a time for each prospect because they understand the position so well. But for someone like me, who is still learning the game, who is still learning, you know, I'm not perfect. No one's perfect when it comes to knowing how to give, to evaluate talent. You know, you got to make sure, okay, start out with 10 traits and go from there. Go with that for a few years. And once you learn more about the game, start to shrink it a little bit, change your grading scale up a little bit, and then you got a good process going there. So, you know, I'm still learning. This is, I think, gosh, this is my fourth draft now, coming up on year four of doing this 
um, really excited for um, this entire process as a whole. It's going to be different because of the COVID-19 pandemic, not having a combine, not getting information from the combine. Uh, but, you know, it, it, it's still the NFL draft. It's still fun to talk about prospects. Still fun to talk about the draft overall. And again, I'm, I'm super excited for late April and all the excitement that will come from it. Most definitely. And look, just to go ahead and wrap, and go ahead and wrap things up, I want to end with something that's just, you know, just kind of just a little bit off the wall. But how did you guys feel about Trey Boston and Trey Turner kind of implying that, you know, the referees may have played a, a good bit of a hand in the Super Bowl 50 and the same, at the same way they played a hand in, in last night's game in the first half. How did you guys kind of feel about it? Like, you know, that's a, you know we, it's used taboo for players to ever say, well, they cheat. But, I mean, I, I know a lot of fans kind of felt the way about, about Super Bowl 50. I know, you know, we have our theories, but, you know, how do you guys feel that? I, I, I know this this morning in a little thread that, you know, if, if Pottery's catch is ruled a catch, I think the Panthers win Super Bowl 50. And we're not talking, and we're not talking about them losing that game. We're not, I don't think we're talking about Cam Newton even being on, off the team. I think we're still talking about Cam Newton as one of the elite quarterbacks in this league, honestly, in my opinion. Five years down the road, six years now down the road, you know? So it, like that one play changed the entire game. Not a lot of people talk about it, except Panthers fans. Like, that's the play that changed the entire game. Now, there were a lot of other mistakes in that game that weren't rep-related. You know, there were drops. There were missed assignments, like I mentioned um, earlier in this podcast. Um, you know, the... It, there were a lot that... There was a lot that went wrong in that game, but I... There were also some really bad calls in that game, especially that calling that catcher catch a no catch. Like in today's NFL, that's a catch. Well, honestly, in today's NFL, that's kind of like toss up in my opinion, because you know, it, it, it really depends on who the officiating crew is, honestly. Right. But man, that it, that game, that catch, knowing that it was a catch and yet they still didn't rule it a catch because they saw a little bit of the ball on the ground, but Kotchery had possession of it. It's just, man, I, I, I'll just tell you guys this right now. I had friends over for that game. We had family friends over. I had a meltdown at the end of that game. I was screaming telling everyone to oh. get the F out. This was my, fr- this was freshman year of high school. I was telling everyone to get the F out of the building. <laughs> Dude, hit. Oh, man. man. That was my freshman year at college. And I was in my dorm room. I, I snapped. <laughs> <laughs> I snapped. I was like, man, I threw, I threw my remote. I was like, this is not how it's supposed to go. This is not how this is supposed to end. It's not supposed to go like this. But Tyler, I'll let you finish it off. And, and uh, what were your thoughts on some of the tweets and stuff that came out from, you know, with Trey Turner and Trey Boston? What, how, did you, how did you feel about what they said? Yeah, I mean, 
I agree. There was some, you know, that Cotri catch was a very critical point in the game that doesn't get talked about enough. Um, it's frustrating as a Panthers fan trying to talk about that Super Bowl with other fans, and all they want to talk about is the cam play, not jumping on the ball, when really that was, you know, such a minor thing in the game. Um, but, you know, the, you know, the refs are not going to be perfect. And, uh, you know, the Carolina, we definitely saw that. And, you know, Trey Turner and uh, Trey Boston are, you know, are definitely going to speak on that on that part. And, you know, I don't blame them. It's, I mean, as fans, we're reacting like this, and I'm in the same boat as you guys. Uh, I can't imagine them as players putting that, you know, that grind every day. So they're going to, when a, you know, a factor like the refs come into play, um, something they can't control, is uh, that's got to be really frustrating for them, um, especially as players and <laughs> the guys doing it. So, um, you know, we saw that, uh, you know, definitely poor, poor, uh, for officiating, in my opinion, last night um, or two nights ago when you guys will be hearing this uh, with the uh, officiating. But uh, you do what you can um, as players. You just you try, you know, if you can't control it, you just got to just got to keep playing. Uh, some of those calls, especially against the Chiefs defense, uh, that was rough. Uh, I was not a fan of some of those, uh, those pass interference or holding calls. Uh, but you got to get you, you know, the good teams will persevere through them. And that's uh, at the end of the day, the best team will usually win. Yeah. yeah most definitely. Well, look, this has been I thought this has been a great episode. You guys, Jared, thank you for coming on, man. It's great to have you. It's great to have you here. Great to have you here. Great to hear some of your thoughts on some of the key things coming up this offseason, man. I, and, and you guys, be sure to go like, you know, well, I, I not like subscribe, but be sure to go listen to the Drafting Up podcast featuring Jared Feinberg. And look, you guys, you know what time it is, man. Keep counting.